Hi, and welcome to this episode of I've Got This Kid. I'm your host, Sharina Williams, licensed speech and language pathologist, homeschooling mom of two, wife of one, here to share everything speech, language, play, development, homeschooling, and all of that other stuff that falls in between. Check this out, y'all. We are in the month of October, continuing on the path of answering your questions. Why? Because I want to make sure you guys are tooled up and I want to make sure that I'm not just talking to be talking, but that if you guys got questions, I've got answers and I'm here to give everything that I know from my perspective, from speech and language, also from a mommy's perspective to make sure that we are on the right track. I am glad to be here another day. I'm excited to be here another day and I'm ready to get right into things. We're not going to be wasting no time. Here's the question. Dear Sharina, my 30-month-old has great vocabulary. Well, already, I'm excited because I love to hear that about my little sugars. That vocabulary is on track. That means that there's some talking going on. He holds conversations and is extremely smart, but when I ask him to do something, he tantrums. Well, that's where the conversation took a little bit of a left, but that's okay. Let's see what we can do about it. It could be something simple like bring me your diaper or pick up the toy. His older sister usually ends up doing what I ask him to do, and his father usually laughs at his behavior and says he will grow out of it. What can I do? I'm so over it. Dads, you guys are the best. (laughs) Dads are the best. I love dads because they just bring something to the mix that most of the time us mamas just don't want. (laughs) We never expected it when courting and going through courtship, that something's going to come to the table that dads bring, that they're magical people, but boy, oh boy, we're going to get into this. I'm tickled. I really am tickled. So basically we're talking about a stubborn kid. And that's what I usually hear when world changers come to my office. They will say, my child is smart. They know everything, but they are stubborn. They are stubborn, stubborn, stubborn. And I say, describe stubborn to me. And stubborn sometimes looks like this. Stubborn looks some other ways as well, but in this case, you know, it's a stubborn child. And so when I think about when a parent says a stubborn child, I have a stubborn child. It's usually a child who doesn't follow directions. That's literally it. Like the the heart of it, I don't care what it is. It's just a child that, isn't following directions. They're not following directions. Not only will they not follow directions, sometimes they'll maliciously do what you told them not to do and will look at you with a straight face and be like, I did it and now what? And some. Some kids like to push the boundaries in that way. It could be a kid to where you tell them to do something and they go the other way. It could be a kid to where you ask them to do something and they try to swat at you or they start yelling at you or they start gnashing their teeth, whatever it is. That's usually a stubborn a child. A stubborn child is that child where you ask him to do something and the opposite takes place. Older siblings are beautiful people because don't they try to get the little ones out of getting in trouble because they know what's coming? And the older siblings always get it the worst because they're the first ones, right? And so we're just different with the older ones than we are with the younger ones. Like the younger one can be 25 years old and, and the parents still trying to pick them up because that's the baby, right? <laughs> that's just how it goes. It's horrible. We got to change that. But, but I'm guilty of it. I'm totally guilty of it. Like I got to do better and I've been working on doing better. 
poorly, but I am trying to do better with not putting the demand on the older child and having different expectations for the older child because you're older and you know better versus the younger child. I digress. I'm going to get back to this on the stubborn child. I know y'all, I'm in a ranty move. Let's see how this kind of goes. So receptive language. Receptive language is something that I talk about, but I don't often give it the same attention as I do expressive language. So I'm really glad that this question came in because receptive language is literally getting from point A to point B. Point A is the sender who says, I need you to do something. Point B is the person who's following through with whatever was asked of them, right? It could be something as simple as, look, in infancy, it's saying a name and having that expectation that the child will look at you and respond or laugh, right? Or if we say, give it to me, and and they have something, give it to me. And then they'll put it in your hand and you're cracking up and they're cracking up. But that's like the early stages of receptive language. As kids get older and the demands become a little bit more intense and increase, then we see that the child is able to follow more complex things. Bring me your diaper, bring me your wipes, bring me your toy, bring me your bottle, bring me, it's usually something that's very environmental that falls into their world that you expect them to do. Put the sticker on the page, put the toy away. And it's it's a command. It's something that we want them to follow through with because guess what? It turns into eventually take out your book and turn to page 19 and read the first paragraph. Go home and do your homework, read chapter one of the book and answers questions one through five. And so receptive language is literally the, especially in the toddler years, it is that foundation that gets us into academia to get us to like work things through. When you go to the light, right? You see the red, yellow, and green. It's a command. It's telling you what to do. When you drive on the road, why am I stuck on freeways and driving? I don't know. But when you're on the road and you see 65 speed limit, that's a command. Don't go over that. Don't go under that. Why? Because then a police officer is going to pull you over if they're around. There's all kinds of parameters that we have in life. Work. Be there at eight o'clock. Day ends at five o'clock. That's a parameter. Usually they have you sign something saying that you acknowledge that you're going to be there at eight o'clock and you're going to leave at five o'clock because that's a receptive language command. Do your work, do your job. Usually people get in trouble because guess what? They didn't follow a command. And so it really does go from childhood to adulthood. It carries over into everything that we do from diet to fitness to just you know, everything, anything that you could think of, it follows through our jobs, our life, parameters and relationships. There's receptive language commands. There is parameters. There's boundaries associated with that. And so it's one of those things that because kids are so little and they're so cute and they're so small, and they usually still smell good around 30 months. They usually don't stink unless their diaper stinks. But in general, they have that baby smell still. It hasn't quite worn off yet. And we also, as adults, sometimes feel like we have the luxury of time. We sometimes think that that time is the time for them to still be baby and to get away with things and kind of miss the mark that, well, yes, they're still cute, they're still little, and we shouldn't be asking things that are outside of their scope. It is generally appropriate for us to make these commands on them in these demands and have the expectation that they follow through because by preschool, they're going to be reinforcing these commands with more complex stuff. 
And most of the time a teacher calls home, it's because guess what? The child didn't follow a receptive language command and they were being stubborn, considered stubborn or considered bad or considered willful or considered like there's always a negative connotation for not following the rules, receptive language commands, right? And so it can easily look at a, like a behavioral thing, right? Like children will use that to get out of what they don't want to do. So refusal can easily look like this child is trying to get out of something that they don't want to do, or the child may have underlying reasons why they don't want to follow through, or, you know, maybe it's kind of a casual thing in the house to where the child doesn't necessarily have demands put on them or there are demands put on them but then dad laughing kind of makes it a casual thing or sends the message without really trying to send the message that it's an optional thing to do and so we have to be really careful when we're looking at receptive language and when we are allowing a little sugar to not follow through with what we ask them to do or give them a way out and so it kind of goes into is our reaction not only is it us asking sugar what to do and also understanding like the impact of receptive language, our reaction strongly influences sugar's receptive language, right? And if they're going to take it seriously or not, if we are laughing when we ask them to do it, if we are playing around when we're asking them to do it, sometimes it's totally appropriate, but there has to be a little bit of discernment between when mommy's messing around, when daddy's messing around and when mommy means business, right? It also goes into yelling, our reaction. If we're yelling, do this, I told you to do this, I told you to do that. Well, for one, most kids are going to probably stop processing what you're saying because it's sensory overwhelming to hear anyone yell all the time, or they become so used to yelling that they don't take it seriously because it's something that naturally occurs. And if your voice is always going from zero to 1000 decibels, then chances are they're not listening anyway, whether you were using a normal voice or a very serious voice. If we're reacting by doing it ourselves, oh my gosh, this is the worst. So if I asked you to do something, go clean up your room and you decide to pick up one or two things and then I come behind you and clean the rest, then they're never going to take seriously cleaning up their room versus me going in there and saying, hey, you picked up one or two things. That was a nice start, but now I need you to finish this thing out. I need you to get the rest of this stuff that you and I both see on the floor and I'm not going to itemize what it is because you see it and I see it and this floor needs to be clear and stuff needs to be back in its place. Doesn't sound like I say that too often, huh, y'all? <laughs> so we really want to avoid doing it ourselves. And this is where little sister comes into it. We want to avoid allowing others to pick up our slack. Life is not about others carrying our weight. Now we can do stuff together communally and as a community, but it is not other people's responsibility to carry our heavy weight and to allow others to carry what we are capable of doing. And most two-year-olds are capable of a lot more that we give them credit for. Like for example, most two-year-olds know at least two or three colors. Guess what that means? They can sort laundry. Most two-year-olds know where to find a fork. Guess what that means? When you're unloading the dishwasher, give them that cutlery little section and let them put the forks, knives, and spoons away. Most sugars know how to push around a stroller, which means they could push around what? A broom or a vacuum. So, I mean, we're not asking them to do a perfect job, but we are asking them to get into the habit of being a part of the community and helping out. 
If kids know how to wipe baby's mouth, then they know how to wipe a table. There's really simple things that we can ask. And for a two-year-old, are we going to have to go behind them? In most cases, yeah, because they're two. And we don't expect them to do a pristine job like we'd expect the 10-year-old to do. But we do expect them to do enough to at least get into the habit of we all do together. And so if sister is always sharing little brother's load, and always getting now into the habit of having to carry others' loads, then chances are we're setting her up for always going through life, carrying a lot more than what she should carry and not necessarily being a helper, but an enabler. I said it, I'll say it again if you ask me to. And we don't want her to get into that habit and fall into that trap of enabling others so they can do the stuff that they wanna do without doing the stuff that they need to do. So we gotta be really careful with that, right? And finally, reacting by deflecting, avoiding giving demands at all, avoiding asking sugar to do stuff because we don't want to deal with the behavior. We don't want to deal with talking back. We don't want to deal with the tantrum. The tantrum gets on my nerves. He's laying out on the floor. He's rolling around. He's gnashing his teeth. He's cutting up, right? He's cutting up. And so what I would do in that case is wait for him to finish and then say, now that you're done, do what I asked you to do. Straight face, no laughing no joking around. I'm serious. He might get back out on the floor and you might see him slow fall on the floor. I love the slow fall. You might see him slow fall onto the floor, rolling around, acting crazy. He probably do it in public. And I would just watch and say, as soon as you're done, do what I asked you to do. Because the demand can't change. And what we ask can't change. Their behavior has to change. They're the ones that got to conform, not the other way around, right? And that's how we create boundaries. And so this gets into what's next, the consistency. What can we do? We have to be so consistent that it starts to get on our own nerves. We don't change because they won't change. They need to conform to us, especially if it's for their greater good. Now we're, again, please, this is a 30 month old. Please don't send me messages saying like I had my child moving bricks and I don't understand why after brick number two, they just, you know, tapped out. Like let's give them stuff that they can do and let's be, you know, let's be reasonable. Like we're going to expect something different from the two-year-old versus the 10-year-old versus the 15-year-old. Give them stuff they can do that they can handle. Don't take for granted that two-year-olds can do stuff. So again, our consistency is key. And us getting louder does not make us more consistent. So saying something like, I told you to clean up this mess. Well, that's vague. So what mess? I need you to go pick up those toys off the floor and put them in the bin. I need you to go organize that real quick. I need you to do, I need you to put the bottle in the sink like I asked you to do. I need you to, whatever the need is, be specific and be direct instead of giving the, I told you I've had a day and I don't want to. I understand it's a lot, right? And sometimes our days are a lot and we are definitely allowed days to where we don't want to be consistent and we don't want to do that and we just want to offload. But I need you to just not get to that point. And you know, I'll say like, get off the flagpole. I'll come get you, but get off the top of the flagpole. Come on down and talk to them like you would talk to anybody else and say, I need you to go take care of that, right? You wouldn't talk to your colleagues like that. So so just be mindful about how you're sending that message and make sure that your message is consistent. I just want you to do what I asked you to do because at the end of the day, that's what it comes down to. Next, we can create parameters with our parenting partner. We must 
create parameters with our parenting partner. Now, I know, World Changer, you're going to listen to this episode and you're going to be peeved at me for laughing about your husband, laughing about little sugar cutting up and probably rolling on the floor and doing his thing when he wants to get out of doing something. And the honest truth is kids are funny. Kids are funny people. And the stuff that they do is funny. And they're like little masters of like manipulation if they can get away with it, if we allow them to get away with it. And so, you know, dad was probably laughing because the crap is funny, but it's not funny in the way that like, dad, could you have like walked out the room and laughed? Probably, probably. That would be my recommendation. Like if you're going to go laugh, like don't laugh to where the kid thinks that what mommy says is not a go because then you're going to create strife in your own internal relationship. And you don't want that dad because mean and mad mommies are not cute. It's not fun. They're not fluffy and fuzzy and they're not that beautiful lady that you were courting when you were first courting. So just make sure that you're holding in your laughter, but you're also backing mom up. You know, go get your laughs out or hold in your laughs, back mom up and be like, hey, mom said to do this. I need you to do it. And then go run and laugh. Don't laugh loud though. You can't let on that you think this stuff is funny because remember it goes back into if we are not demanding that sugar follows through if we're just calling sugar stubborn and being like oh he just likes to do his own thing that's how he rolls that's what he does then we're setting him up for the long haul for failure we don't want that and we don't want sugar to be so passive either to where he's just doing whatever and he's just becoming gullible that's where wisdom comes in so i'm not asking for that either i do want him to be able to assert himself and be his own little man but i do want him to understand that what mom and dad says is a go and that we really have to respect the adults in the house right and so this also means that not only must you guys come up with a plan that works for you guys but you also really need to stay away. If this is happening, you didn't mention it. And I know only in a paragraph, you can't mention a whole lot, but you can mention enough for me to kind of guess at what possibly is going on and just throw out some stuff for you guys to think about. Do not send out dry threats. What is a dry threat? A dry threat is just that. A threat that has nothing in there, no substance, no nothing. You said it. I'm gonna do this if you don't do that. And then nothing happens right? And that's also coming from that place of frustration and anger. And you don't want it to come from that because guess what? There's nothing frustrating or angry about me saying what I asked you to do. Now, what's frustrating and angry is going to be what you're going to feel and what you're going to be when I enforce my consequences and my boundaries by taking some stuff away and reevaluating what I'm allowing you to have access to, right? And for two-year-olds, we can send that message without being so punitive that it's just like, okay, that don't make sense for a two-year-old. But it could be enough for them to understand that mommy asked you to do something. Daddy asked you to do something and backed mom up. And that's the expectation for you to follow through with that. And so again, dry threats don't create consistency. It creates you being the frustrated party and sugar probably getting out of doing what you asked them to do in the first place. And you don't want that. So try your hardest to make sure that the follow through is there and that you and your parenting partner are deciding as a team what it is that you expect 
for little sugar to have as a disciplinary action if they don't do X, if they don't do Y. And you have to decide that together because if one person creates a system and the other person doesn't agree, then it's never going to work because it's always gonna be undermined by the other party and then it's gonna create conflict. And so this is when you guys have to really become a united front. So I would start with really simple directions because you gotta start somewhere deflecting, yelling, and doing all those other things, it's really not going to help the situation. But if you start with really simple, basic one-step directions, and then add a little bit of juice to it. If you have not in the past used hand over hand to get them to follow through, start getting up and going over to them and walking them to what you asked them to do. You don't have to be mad. You don't have to be mean. Just, okay, let's do it together. Thank you, but make sure that they are the ones doing it, but you're the ones walking them over to carry out whatever it is that you ask them to carry out. They are going to get tired of that. They're going to get tired of you getting up. As soon as they see you getting up, they're going to start doing it because guess what? Now you're making them follow through. If they have that tantrum, if he's rolling around on the floor, as soon as you go over to him, you just wait. You just wait. You just wait. You can go do other stuff too, but just wait. As soon as he gets up and pretends like he's going to go and play with some toys, then you go back over to him, put your hand out and say, hey, remember I asked you to do this and this is what I expect from you. Thank you. Yeah. Nobody's mad. Well, he might be a little mad initially, but you know, you're reinforcing that way. Reinforce with reminders. I want you to put the toy away. Let's put the toy in the bin. We can be specific. I want you to put the toy in the red bin. I want you to put the toy in the bin that it belongs in. Because again, we have to give them the reminders that what I'm saying is going to happen. I don't care if it happens in this moment. I don't care if it happens 10 hours from now. Either way it goes, it's a go. It's going to happen. And you're going to be a part of that because you're going to be the one that's carrying it out. Have a talk with extended family. Extended family are the most amazing people in the world. That's when we get into grandma, grandpa, auntie, uncle, all of them, friends who are like family that's been around the whole time, godparents, the whole shebang. Anyone who does not live in your household that's not part of mom, dad, and babies who came from mom and dad is considered extended family, even if they live with you. This is the deal. Sugars are smart. Sugars are so smart that it is sometimes, I sometimes sit back and just watch how smart they are because they know how to get to what they want. Verbal, nonverbal, severe diagnosis, moderate, average, gifted, doesn't matter. These people know how to get at the end of the day to what they want. Whatever it is desirable for them, they're going to find a way. And they smell blood. And, and they smell and know the ones who are going to let them get away with it. And that's where it becomes really, really tricky. Because if you ask sugar to do something or you make a parameter and a rule and extended family undermines that, it's time to have a respectful talk. Because what happens is it starts to create strife within the relationship. And if they start to, you know, buck back at you, you know, then it's time to say, you know what, then it's time for us to take a temporary step back because my goal is for my child to be able to do this. And I need you to be on board with me with that. But if you are undoing that and undermining me, not only is it creating problems in our relationship, it's creating long-term issues with my sugar and I can't have that. 
And it's not that I don't love you. It's not that I don't like you. It's not that I don't think the world of you, but this is what I need from you. And if you can't deliver that, that's okay. We just have to redefine the relationship in a different way. And that doesn't mean that we go writing everybody off. It just means that different boundaries are gonna be put in place. Now, are they gonna like that? No. Are they gonna be mad at you? Yes. Will it be okay? Of course, because you love them and they love you. And if the relationship is that strong, then it will eventually get back to where it needs to be. But at the end of the day, your job, your number one priority is to make sure that sugar is getting what sugar needs and sugar is getting to the place that sugar needs to get to. And we can't forget, we cannot forget that our parents were once parents. And if we are a younger sibling, then we have older siblings who also think that they're our parents. And they they see things like, well, we've done this before, we've seen this before, and we want to do it our way. And it's not bad for them to contribute their thoughts and ideas, but at the end of the day, it's your child, it's your sugar, you get to make those decisions. They were parents and what worked for them worked for them. Look, you're grown and up and you're up and moving around and you're doing the stuff that you're doing, but you can also express to them that the way that you parented I love you and I appreciate it, but this is our style and this is what we want to do. And it's not that we don't, you know, love your wisdom, but we really need to get sugar to this place to where they are following through because I'm concerned, because this is what I want for them and not make it an attack. Well, you keep letting them get away with stuff. And all they're hearing is you're blaming me for something. You're blaming me for these actions, but being real and saying, hey, look, I'm concerned that sugar is running to you and getting away with stuff and it's going to impact these areas of life. It's going to impact when he goes to school. It's going to impact him in the long run. I really need you to team up with me. And if you are not the one to do it, just be good with that, right? It's okay. And it's okay for you to go through these processes because we don't want to give sugar a way out. We want sugar to be accountable. We want sugar to have a good sense of responsibility. We need them to have good citizenship. So as adults, they're able to work in community with one another. The reason why most adults don't get along is because we're so inflexible. And we believe that there's no room for flexibility as far as cooperating in ways that are good for everyone. And the final thing that it really does with sugars is it establishes boundaries and it gives them discipline because believe it or not, children are looking for boundaries and discipline. They really are. They might fight it. They might refute it. They might gnash their teeth. They might roll around on the floor. They might do all of those things, but they really do need that structure from you. They need those boundaries in place to make sure that they're able to get along and be along and to cooperate within the community because the last thing most sugars want to do is not feel like they're a part of their own family. And so we wanna be a part of that to not only create these parameters, but we also wanna love them through when they're not really great at it. And that honestly, sometimes requires our disciplining them to get them to where they need to go. World changers, I tell you, this subject for me, I read it, I read it again, thought about it, prayed about it. And I tell you, at the end of the day, as much of my perspective as I gave, I know that there's so many variables that come along with this, but at the end of the day, there's no 
rule book for parenting. There's just not one. There's not one way that's better than the other way. There's literally us as community bringing this stuff to the table, talking about it, fleshing it out, and really thinking about what do I value as a world changer? What do I value and want to instill in my little sugar? And how do I want to carry this thing out to make things work? Like parenting shouldn't be so stressful to the point to where it's just miserable and starts to have a negative impact on other relationships. And so we just have to continue to observe and guide and just work through uh, trial and error to just make it work for your house. You've got to make it work for you. It has to make sense to you and it has to make sense to your parenting partner. And so world changer, I didn't mention this, but I would really have a conversation also with my spouse and just express how you feel about when he is laughing, just to give some perspective, because he may know that you don't like it and he may know that it agitates you, but sometimes giving the why also gives a little bit more perspective to get you guys on the same page. So keep working together, keep working together. And even at the end of the day, if your parenting partner is really not getting on board with you, I want you to at least stay consistent because sugar needs to know from someone somewhere in this world that boundaries, following directions and doing what's asked to them is not an optional thing. It's an expected thing. And so just keep at it, keep at it and stay encouraged in the meantime, keep trucking along. Now, last episode, World Changers, I made the announcement that you can now pre-order your copy of Watch Me, Connecting to Your Child Through Play. It is the digital copy. And guess what, y'all? The paper copy will be out, I believe, by this week or next week. You just got to go to my website, I'vegotthiskid.com to find out when. And you can also follow me on social media because I'll probably post it there as well. But you guys know how I do with social media. If you've been following me, you know how I do with it. Poorly. I got to get better. I really got to get better. I'm going to try y'all. Maybe 2022 is my year to get better with social media. But as of right now, I'm far at it. And your best bet is to listen to the show and go on the website and keep up with it that way. And I just encourage you guys to buy one for yourself. Buy one for a friend, a colleague, whoever. Get one. Get one for another person who you know has a sugar it's just in time. This book is coming out just in time to make it a stocking stuffer for Christmas or a before Christmas gift. Either way, snag a copy, snag two copies, snag 10 copies, snag some copies, y'all. And let's continue to get this intentional parenting out because this book really does go through everything in a quick, easy way on what play should look like. How can you adjust your play? What can you do in your play space to really build up on speech, language, play, development, and all the other stuff that I talk about? And it gives you a way to track how things are going. So I want you guys to get in on that. And it's not meant to be a 10-hour read, a two-hour read. It's a quick read. It's a great read. And it's a resource that you can use again and again and again and again. So that's how we're rolling with that. So continue to share the podcast with friends. Don't keep this thing to yourself. Let's continue to get others tooled up out there. Keep sending in your questions because you know I love answering these questions. And I believe we're on our last week of answering questions. But I don't know, y'all. I've been enjoying answering these questions. Let's see how it goes for the month of November. We might bring in my favorite month of the year to continue to answer questions. I love the fall, so this is exciting times for me. Join me next week. I'll continue answering your questions. You keep sending them in because guess what? The month of October is, you got questions, I got answer. So let's continue to do this. Send in your questions to questions at I've got this kid.com. I would love to hear from you. Until the next time, world changers, take care.